Welcome back, my friends, to our buyers series. Now, so far, we've captured a buyer and gotten them under contract. Today, we'll bring it all home from contract till close. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, my friends. Kenny Stevens here, and welcome to Rookie Real Estate, where your road to success begins right here and right now. Whether you're transitioning from your day job to your dream job, or you're looking to complete your first 50 transactions, success is in the details, my friends, and we're going to systematically unpack the fundamental principles required for you to thrive. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right, the next part is actually putting it on paper, making an offer, writing a contract. After we determine the home your client wants to buy and determine its value based on the comps, this is when we make an offer. It's called an offer until all parties have agreed and signed. That's when it's called a contract. Due to this being a nationwide podcast, I can't dive into the logistics of your contracts. But knowing how to get your client into a contract and how to get them out of a contract, if at all possible, is critical. This, my friends, is one of the greatest assets to your clients that you can provide. Once you have built a relationship with your clients, they'll they'll tend to trust you and just sign whatever you say sign. Do not take advantage of this. Communicate and review the details of the documents they are signing with them every single time, no matter what. Friend, family, stranger, it doesn't matter. Review it with them always. In your emails to them, when you shoot it over to them to sign, sometimes electronically, put in there. Tell them to review the documents and call with any questions they may have before signing. Never put in there, hey, Bob, sign this. Always put the verbiage, review, call me with questions before you sign. Discuss the time limits outlined in the contract and let them know that if they are business days or calendar days, you'll likely have inspection contingencies and appraisal contingencies. When reviewing the property, does the MLS state square footage match that, uh, the square footage matching on the MLS also matches the tax record of the square footage stated. If not, why is there a discrepancy? When values are sometimes based on price per square foot, you are 200 square foot off. Well, 200 square feet at $250 square foot is $50,000 difference. It's your job to catch this, to see it, to ask questions. Sometimes once you're under contract, it's too late to fight over square footages. Look on the front end. If the square foot is in question, you may need to add verbiage in the special stipulations area of your contract, allowing for you to verify and possibly even renegotiate if the square footage is wrong. Ask me why that matters. Because I've gotten burned with inaccurate stated information. And by the time we found out the actual correct size of the home, it was too late to do anything about it because of the verbiage in our contracts. Trust me, I now dive deep on the front end. You got to fight it out sometimes on the front end because once you're locked in, sometimes you just got to take it the way it is. And I don't want any of my clients to just have to take it the way it is. Now, 
Keeping your offer as clean as possible is important. If you load up with a bunch of silly contingencies and you're in a multiple offer situation, you are going to lose. Also, don't cross out anything in the contract. If you don't like the verbiage, I'm sure there's a place to write in different verbiage. Just remember, you are not a lawyer and the people that wrote the contracts are lawyers. Don't step outside of your lane. Seek legal advice if you or your client want to make changes or add additional verbiage. Also, if you are new, make sure somebody reviews the offer before you send it to your clients to sign. Crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's. As a service to my agents, my wife and I sometimes have them come over in the evenings, on the weekends, whenever the time is right for them to write the offer, to sit down at the table and we do it together. Hopefully your mentor, your broker will do that for you because the first few are critical. I've also likely discuss the contract with them long in advance before we ever get to that process. My wife does a phenomenal job of diving into the contract class right off the bat because that is a critical part. Know your contracts. All right, upload any disclosures that the listing agent provided online. If you can send an entire packet to the listing agent, all neat and properly completed, you look like a worthy opponent. Because I promise you, this is art of war. The art of war just begun. The negotiations just started. You are in a battle of the minds against the other side. Always polite, never a bully, but vigilant in getting the best deal for your clients. Usually, he or she who knows the most about the contract wins. Never burn a bridge, my friends. Always do what's right, no matter what. We will have a contract podcast to dive into the logistics of all the documents required in buying a home and the real estate process. Every state's different, so we'll have to remain broad, but there are for sure purchase and sell agreements for sale by owner options, uh, builder contracts. Sometimes this stuff is downloaded. People download these online and want you to use their contracts. There's just a lot of things that you have to know when it comes to the contracts. Read every line. That's your job. Seek legal counsel if you have questions or your clients have questions. This is your time to shine. Know your stuff. Be a rock star in this particular area and your clients will never forget you. Now, you get them under contract. Everybody sign. It's accepted. Congratulations. The clock has started. We're getting ready to buy a home. Your clients at this moment are the most excited they are ever going to be in this process. They just won. So the next step that I'm putting here is reviews. Ask for a review. Some people like to wait to the end of a real estate transaction to ask their clients for a review. However, let's think through this for a minute. We all need reviews. It's the world we live in. I ask for them almost every episode we record this podcast. It's absolutely necessary. We've got to have it. It's critical. It's exposure. Reviews matter. It could very well tip the scales in your favor. What better time to ask for a review than when your clients get their dream home under contract? So ask. Have them Google you and, and ask for a five-star rating and a in a personal positive comment. 
This is a big deal. And let them help when they're in the best mood get this done for you. So what if you wait till closing? There are about eight people involved in a real estate transaction. That's eight opportunities for somebody to drop the ball. It happens all the time and it's your job to stay on top of each one. But no matter what goes wrong, it's always the realtor's fault. Sometimes you've just got to own it and make it right. At closing, your clients are a wreck. The underwriter has dove so deep into their lives that they feel violated. They have packed up everything they own and it's on a moving truck in the parking lot. Their kids are running around the office chasing the dog. They couldn't leave in the truck because it's too hot and it's raining. Do you think they are in the right state of mind and mood to give you a shiny review? Don't take that risk. Do it when you get them under contract. Perfect time. So the closing date, you got to figure that out. Make sure when filling out the offer and the paperwork that you verify the closing date with the lender and that works best for your client. I always like to call the listing agent prior to making an offer to see if their client has preferences as to when they want to close and maybe we can accommodate those. Maybe that can help us put our best foot forward. I never promise anything to a listing agent. I only say that we'll consider their preferences and work with my seller and my buyer, my buyer and their seller the best we can. But this is also a time that the listing agent will often vomit all over you everything they're not supposed to say. They share way too much information, stuff they're not allowed to say. Things that do not put their clients in the best light. Like, oh, you know they're getting divorced. Oh, I've had agents tell me that. They're not allowed to say that unless their clients actually give them permission to say something like that because it puts them in a bad light. Some agents just can't help themselves, though. Don't you be that person. Also, don't be afraid to ask questions. There's a good fine line and a balance to diving in deep asking how it can help the other side, but also uh, representing and protecting your client's best interest. So finding out the closing date, making sure the lender can get that done in the amount of time. Sometimes you need a faster one, sometimes you need to stretch it out, but the closing date is critical. I probably should have moved that right above the offer, but it's still right there in the same uh, time frame. Now, earnest money and trust money. This is something that's gonna to have to come out of pocket for your clients. Once all parties have agreed to the details and you're in a contract, you will likely have a period of time to get the deposit of the earnest money. Likely your client writes a check that is placed in a non-interest bearing escrow account at, and at closing is applied towards their down payment or their purchase funds or closing costs. Every state's a little bit different. However, during the buyer's presentation, let the buyer know what they will have to come out of pocket with and what can be rolled into the loan. We don't want surprises, and we're talking about their money. Anytime the word money's involved, make sure it's very clear what they've got to come out of pocket with, So, which leads us right into the next thing. So earnest money, and then we get into inspections. Always recommend that your client conducts inspections. This will be another cost for them. My wife and I buy investment properties and we always do inspections. I used to be a superintendent building homes. I do a lot of the rehab work myself and I always still have a professional climb through the house from top to bottom and comb it all to make sure that I'm not buying somebody else's lemon. If by chance 
your client is a builder or a superintendent or a handyman and they want to conduct their own inspections get it in writing that you recommended that they hire a professional make sure it's well documented here in tennessee we really have three common inspections that occur all the time the general home inspection the termite inspection which is required by the lender and then a radon gas test which is you know radon gas here in tennessee we've got a lot of limestone shelf rock it's a cancer carcinogen causing uh, carcinogen that causes cancer it's a gas that comes up through the ground it could hit your house and none of the rest of the subdivision but in our area it's something good it's another 150 dollars, but it's the best money you'll ever throw away uh, always know your area and what are important types of inspections sometimes you'll be in a more sandy area and you want to get foundations looked at differently there's just maybe a hurricane area you live in or you sell homes in and you want to make sure it's got the hair the hurricane straps on the the rafters things like that you're going to know and learn there in your area but be diligent don't take this process for granted there's normal inspections for your area but sometimes you've got to dive in a little bit deeper the clients will pay for this directly out of their pockets so give them that price point of what the averages cost most home inspectors are non-intrusive meaning they don't take things apart and dive deep it's mainly a visual inspection if there are ever ever any concerns that arise feel free to dig deeper you know if it's a foundation inspector hire a structural engineer if if it's you know termites or if there's bugs or you know spiders you know find a pest control company to come out and dig deeper make sure that your clients have access to the right professionals that can give them the information they need sometimes it's an hva ticket tech that needs to come out and it'll cost you a service fee the money your clients spend doing inspections very well may be the very best money they have ever thrown away if they need to get out of the contract nobody wants to buy somebody else's lemon do your due diligence learn what's needed in your area if you're up north you may need a roof inspection you know things like that i can't drive this home enough do your homework if something goes wrong you'll be to blame almost every time and very well could be liable you are merely a real estate professional do not give your opinion always seek the counsel of a competent professional if you're ever going to get sued and lose it will likely be over the inspection process also keep in mind the inspection period or due diligence period is under a time frame in the contract don't miss your dates extend if you need to dive deeper success is in the details i say that in my opening monologue every time if you inform your buyers that they need to be getting that they're going to be getting a 50 page document they won't panic when it gets emailed to them they know it's coming we're looking for deal breakers not a honeydew list this will help them understand the intent behind the inspections I'll say this again and you'll say this a lot there is no such thing as a perfect home but there is a perfect home for your client now I'll have another podcast where we dive in deep I'll have an inspector come in talk about what they find and what they look for and what that process looks like we'll dive in deeper to this topic we'll talk about what to ask for and discuss how to uh, get the 
seller to do repairs. This is a critical step in the process and not one to be taken lightly. These are the steps necessary for you to protect and represent your client's best interest. All right, so let's talk about repair request. Please inform your buyers that we will be getting a 50-page report. I think I said that already. This report will be extensive and have lots of information related to the home that really doesn't have anything to do always with the condition of the home. Good inspection companies document where the water shutoff valve is for the home, where the gas shutoff valve is. They show owners how to, or your buyers, how to turn the water off behind the toilet and under the sink. They discuss the importance of changing air filters. These are the things that you and I know, but don't necessarily fall in the category of common sense to somebody who's never owned a home. Remind your clients that we're looking at the inspection report for deal breakers, not a honeydew list item. This will help them understand the intent behind it. There's no perfect home, but there is the perfect home for your client. Here in Tennessee, we have a form that's called a repair proposal where we send our desired list of repairs for the seller to address. It's called a proposal here because we're negotiating back and forth. Once the final list of repairs is completed, it's put on an amendment and then locked in and the sellers have to do it. But at this point, we're asking them to fix this or fix that. You know, sometimes once we've made them aware of the problem with their home that they may not have been aware with, they're going to have to disclose that to the next buyer. So it's probably in their best interest to go ahead and take care of it now and save your client as the purchaser of their home as opposed to letting the deal die. There's a lot of emotions at this point in the process and it's your job to regulate the emotions, not only your own, but your clients and also sometimes even the listing agent, especially if you were able to negotiate a lower price, purchase price based on what they had it listed for, they're already gonna feel like they gave money they gave up money, they're $3,000 less because you're a beast at negotiating, and then all of a sudden you want something else done? So you've gotta figure out and learn how to work this process to be an expert negotiator. Now I'll have a podcast on this topic alone because it's a lot of information, a lot of scenarios that I'd like to give you some verbiage and some, some knowledge of what's possible. But working with new agents in our office, this tends to be the most stressful part of the process, especially for those who aren't handy themselves. This is a critical time in the buying process where we sometimes have to regulate it. Don't let this part get you worked up. Sometimes people lose their minds and ask to fix everything on the list. We'll have to dive deep into this later in a different podcast, but keep this in mind. Anytime you're negotiating, never let a deal die on your side of the table. It's critical. All right, we'll get into that in another podcast. Now, the next step is going to be the appraisal. Now, in my world, we usually have about 10 days to complete our home inspections and then another four and then 14 days the, where the appraisal has to be ordered, meaning I should know after 10 days if there are any deal breakers and that will give me four days to have the lender order the appraisal. Now, in my market, I don't have a role in this process. The appraisal is ordered by the lender. 
from their approved list. Every lending institution has their preferred and approved list of appraisers. You merely get a call sometimes from the appraiser. Actually, you merely get a call from the lender saying, hey, can I order the appraisal? And that's usually right after the inspections are done. So make sure you meet your time frames. Uh, you'll need to know how this process works, but it's not really in your lane. It's handled through the lender. But I want you to uh, understand this. It's got a lot to do with pulling comps. It's, some loans require that certain conditions are met for uh, inspections like handrails and, and different things like that. Uh, the, the appraiser may also be able to add things for the seller to do. So you've got to understand this process. Now, I'd love to get an appraiser on our show and to talk through that process. It's a goal of mine to create a podcast just on appraisals alone because if you can see into their world and know why they have to do what they do and not because they're just being a jerk and not appraising the property for what you've got in a contract for, they've got rules and regulations that they've got to follow too. So diving into the mind of that person is also critical We'll try to keep you posted on that and get a podcast released soon about that information as well. At one time, our company actually had an appraiser, a retired appraiser, come in and teach us how to pull comps. That's why we're so good at pulling comps is because we were taught by the people who do it every day on what's required and why they do what they do, which is in turn, we can tend turn around and teach our clients, our sellers and buyers, why we have to do that. So I'll dive in deeper on that on another podcast. Now, the next step is going to be underwriting. Upon completion of the appraisal and after your buyer has provided the lender with all the necessary documentation, the file is sent to the lender's underwriter. This is another checks and balance in the lending process. It's like a compliance check. It keeps the loan officers honest, the lenders protected, and excuse me, make sure all the documentation is available and accurate and proven. Here's a place that some buyers get frustrated with the process. Sometimes underwriters will want additional information from your buyer, depending on if they're self-employed or how did they just get this job, different things in a process that they're going to ask for more information. If you'll prepare your client for this possibility and even make it funny, they won't get frustrated. It'll be more like a game. I often tell my clients that the underwriter will want your shoe size, your blood type, and your firstborn sons to be named after them. If you say something like that, they can expect to be asked for additional pay stubs, for another month's worth of bank statements, sources of deposits, sources of gifts, things like that. They won't be shocked. It'll just be normal. But if you don't teach them in the buyer's presentation that this happens in the process, they're going to be frustrated, especially high D personalities that are going and blown and don't like the details. They just want to get it done. Give me the loan. I earn great money. Give me the money I want and let me buy a house. Quit bogging me down on the details. Now, other personalities be like, oh, here it is. I happen to have it in my purse with me or in my wallet. Here's all the information you could possibly want to know about me. Different personalities, you got to be able to read that and provide them with this information. This is often the time where the deal could die if the buyer does something stupid, like go and buy a house full of furniture on a credit card which changes their debt to income ratio and prevents them from being able to buy the home. Sometimes clients go buy a new car and then have to sleep in that new car because they can't buy a house no longer because they can't afford it. 
and the lender won't loan it to them because it changed their debt to income ratio. Ask me how I know this. It's happened. The lender should inform your client not to buy anything on credit once they've applied for the loan. If the lender doesn't tell them that, you tell them that. Nothing can be hidden. Nothing is hidden. As soon as the application is made for any type of credit, the lender's notified of the client's credit inquiries, and even the slightest purchase could kill a deal. We don't want the deal to die on our side. Inform your clients. Also, make sure your clients don't put in their two weeks notice to quit their job two weeks before they close on their home because the morning of closing, the underwriter will call their employer and verify employment. It's happened, my friends. Crazy, I know. You can't dream of that happening, but it's actually happened. People put in their two weeks notice, close on one day, their job ends on the next day, and the lender finds out and they don't fund the loan because the people don't have a job anymore. That is reckless. Inform your clients. Have your lender inform your clients. Make sure they understand. The next step is going to be the clear to close process. Now, federal trade laws require that the lender put out a closing disclosure three days prior to closing. When this first came out, people were losing their minds. Oftentimes with a subpar lender, Uh, You never knew if the loan was going to close even till the day of closing. The best part about the TRID laws and this regulation when it came into place about five years ago is that the fact that we now get clear to close and the closing disclosure goes out in plenty of time. You as the agent look over the document, verify the numbers are correct. The buyer looks over the document and verifies the numbers are correct, and so does the title company. And of course, the lender does because they're the ones that put all the numbers on it. There's at least four sets of eyes on this document. This is perfect because any minor issues are resolved three days before you actually get together and start signing the billions of documents that your client's going to sign, getting carpal tunnel in the process. There's no battles any longer at closing because of this. And we're closing in a room with just us. There's no longer buyer and seller closings in Tennessee anyway. That may happen in other states. But we get to close in our own room and don't ever have to meet the buyers or the sellers on the other side, which is wonderful because then we can just have fun and be relaxed. This closing disclosure and clear to close is a wonderful step in the process. It really allows your client and you to take a deep breath. Now, you're going to want to make sure that the utilities, that's the next step, the utilities get done once you know the clear to close has been issued. You'll want to have your clients scheduled for all the utilities to be transferred into their names. Now, likely the seller has already scheduled the utilities to be shut off on the day of closing. Therefore, I always ask my clients to set the transfer date to the day before closing. 24 hours of somebody else using your electricity and water is not going to hurt you. Don't worry. If something crashes and burns at closing and you end up not buying the house, it's just three phone calls away from getting them turned off. Gas, water, electric. You know, sometimes we got to worry about the internet and the cable and the phone, things like that. But you can get them shut off if you end up not buying the house. What you don't want to happen is it to be the other way of, other way around. Now, a saving money tip here. If your clients will call soon enough to set up a transfer, 
versus the utility merely being shut off and having to them to come back out and turn it back on. This is usually cheaper. So call ahead. You know the closing date. Have it scheduled the day before closing. Also, if your client is a first-time home buyer or transferring from out of state, the utility company may require a significant deposit. A lot of times it's based on their credit. This matters, my friends, because people sometimes stretch themselves too thin. Don't be the agent who forgets to inform their client of this and therefore they spend their first weekend unpacking and moving in the dark. The only time you will forget this is likely over a three-day weekend that falls on a holiday. Your clients have to get a hotel because it's 15 degrees outside and the leftover water in the pipes freeze due to no heat in the house. Don't be that guy or girl. Plan ahead and help your clients out. This is your job. Don't forget the utilities. Now, the next step is going to be the final walkthrough. It's now getting real, my friends. It's usually the day before closing or the morning of closing that you do the final walkthrough on the home. This may vary from state to state. However, the critical nature of this step is paramount. Likely earlier in the process, you'll have asked the seller to make a few repairs. Now, hopefully you've asked for the documentation of the repairs and sometimes licensed professionals are necessary to do those repairs. Depending on the extent of the repair, you may want your client to schedule a re-inspection with the inspector. This desired work to be, the desired work that needs to be done and completed can be verified by the professional or a home inspector. You are not that professional. Even if you've played a plumber on TV in a prior life, that does not give you the authority to look at a water heater to know if it's been installed properly. Even if you're actually a licensed plumber, you are acting in the role of a real estate professional, not Joe the plumber. You can get a feel for your clients and their comfort level by asking them what they want to do in regards to verifying the repairs were completed correctly. Often invoices paid to professional companies will outline the work performed. It sometimes comes with a warranty and that coincides with a visual walkthrough. A lot of times that'll suffice, but if it matters and you need to go deeper, then Make sure your clients get that professional verification and it's not on your shoulders. It will usually cost them for a reinspect fee, probably $100 to $150 or so, to have the inspector come back out and to verify the work's been done. I usually do this when a crawl space issue has occurred or an attic issue or a roofing issue, things that you can't readily see easily. And I'm not crawling into a crawl space in a suit on the day before or the day of closing. Let the professionals do that. As long as you know in advance and schedule a spot to get checked with the inspector before closing, your final walkthrough with your clients can be fun. It can actually be enjoyable to verify the repairs are done. One last look before you go and buy it. Uh, call the listing agent beforehand and ask about keeping the keys and giving them to your clients at closing. Don't forget about checking on the garage door remotes, combinations to built-in safes, uh, keys to barns or storage sheds, keys to the lock of the crawl space, things like that. Never skip the final walkthrough step. We have had homes flood from a busted water pipe the day before and the day of closing. It's happened more than once. We've had homes catch fire the day of closing 
crazy things happen at closing. Your clients will sign a document saying that the home is in the same or better condition from the time that they went and wrote the contract. Meaning, if it's broke, you are out of luck. If the seller pulled out the brand new HVAC unit and stuck in a rust bucket in its place and you didn't catch it, you're going to have to go through a lot of hoops to get that fixed. Catch it on the final walkthrough and don't buy the home if that's happened. Much easier to fight when you still have the power. You're probably laughing at me. I know thinking the stuff will never happen, but it does. All right, the next step in the process is going to be the day of closing. Guys, this should be a fun time. If you've done your job correctly, there shouldn't be any issues. It should be all smiles and hugs and celebrations. Dress nice and plan to take pictures with your clients. Keep the mood light. Joke about how they're signing their life away. Your clients are stressed and tired. Have fun with this and remind them of how great the process was. Joke about how you got them a great deal. Talk about how the kids are going to love camping in the backyard or fishing in the pond. Uh, Invite yourself over for the housewarming party. You have just helped somebody buy a piece of America. The greatest country in the history of civilization, civilization, and you just cut out a piece of it and rubber stamped it with their name on it. Your client's net worth just increased by 44% because they now own a home. Own this time. Have fun with it. This is the last impression your clients will have of you until they're ready to hire you again in the next three to five years. Don't miss the opportunity to make a lasting impression. The next step is going to be handing over the keys. You will have already arranged to get the keys from the home. As I mentioned in the final walkthrough and section, keep in mind that your contract dictates when your client can take possession of the home. Usually this Uh, Once the people have signed and the funding has occurred that this takes place, you need to know how the step works in your state and know the verbiage in the contract. Never give your clients access to somebody else's home without permission or without the transaction being 100% complete, meaning they've signed and it's been funded. This has burned many agents. You can lose your license if you let somebody into somebody else's home. This will get you in trouble. Don't let that be you. Be firm. Know the rules and follow them. But when you do, hand over the keys. Celebrate. This is a big deal. They just went through the whole process with you and you brought it across the finish line. This is a great time for the next step, which is a closing gift. Look, everybody does this part differently. There are entire industries out there devoted to helping you shower your clients with closing gifts. Keep in mind that the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, only allows for a certain amount that you can deduct for a closing gift. However, if the gift is branded, you can sometimes call that marketing. Whatever you choose to do, be thoughtful. Flowers on the countertop or a bottle of wine for when they walk into their home for the first time after they sign the documents. It can be a kind gesture. 
something they won't forget, something that they appreciate, something they take a deep breath and go, it's ours. Don't miss this opportunity. Be thoughtful. Give a gift. Now, the last step in this process holds about three or four subgroups in it. But the post-closing checklist. If you miss this process, you are missing an opportunity as a professional in this industry to build a book of business so that once you've captured this person, buy or die until death do us part. If you don't have this post checklist in place, create it. Don't miss this. This is paramount. This is how you create a book of business and sell it in 25 years to somebody for lots and lots of money and it's your retirement plan. This is where the rubber meets the road. It separates the good from the great. There's drip campaigns that you can put your clients on for 10 years straight. You've already written all 10 years. Once a month, they get a a drip from you saying something about their home, reminding them to uh, do this and to do that. Drip campaigns are wonderful, but they're not the only thing you should do. Just set a drip and let them go. Past client events are also critical calendar reminders of anniversaries in a year from now if you put it on the closing bob and julie 2019 closed on their first home call them next year on this date and go happy anniversary and they're like what you go yeah it's been a year since you closed on your home how's it going what have you done that's a good time for them to talk about it and remind them a lot of times they're going to have facebook notifications showing that that process of them buying that don't miss the opportunity to capture that on facebook as well and tag them in it share that closing picture that you took that you dressed up for there's reasons behind the madness of what i'm telling you use this and celebrate it with their clients every year after that because their friends are going to see that and remember this is how 67 percent of your business is past clients and past client referrals this is what a business looks like don't miss this opportunity they're going to sell on average three to five years here's your chance to be their agent in three years in five years we've got got a client right now that we're working with this is his sixth time using our company buying and selling a home now if that doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy nothing will that's loyalty You capture them, buy or die until death do us part. Send out your vendor list to your clients when you update it. They're constantly needing repairs done. Don't wait till right before they sell to have to get the honeydew list done. Go ahead and say, hey, here's my new painter. This is uh, Joe, my plumber. Or, hey, this is a new lawn care guy we just picked up. You might need them. Here you go, free of charge. Give out that type of uh, value. Send handwritten notes to your client and talk about the process and what was funny and what was stressful and how you overcame it and how you just love getting to know their family. And and send that to them in two weeks once they've unpacked and it really does feel like home and they get another note from you thanking you for the opportunity. This post-closing checklist, create what you choose to do and think 25 years from now. Don't think about today and go, oh, Got my commission check. I'm gone. I'm going after the next one. That's what we tend to do as realtors. We're blowing and going. But this part right here is an absolute critical step. Agent for life. 
referrals, friends and family. Buy or die until death do us part. Guys, take your commission check that you get at closing. Hold it up and kiss it because you just earned it. You went through hundreds of phone calls to get your client through this process. You earned it. Save some, give some, spend some, invest in you, Inc. Pour into your company. Take that commission and celebrate the win and then go and do it 40 to 50 more times a year for the next 25 years and change your family tree forever. Maybe your little girl one day will be listening to the podcast when she's 13 and hearing everything that a realtor does and one day takes over the company that you've built and she changes her stars and her kids' kids' stars. That's what we can do in this business if you're intentional. That is the entire buying process. There's a lot of information that I've got to pour into you on a lot of these steps, but that gives you the full step from start to finish on what is happening and how you can get a client through this. The buyer's presentation that we're going to go over and have a podcast on, this is how you say it. You can't say everything I just shared with you, but you can walk them through the podcast. I mean, through the uh, the process. Maybe have a little yellow brick road with little stopping points. I'll we'll upload what we do. You guys can create your own but that my friends is how you get a buyer from the phone call all the way to closing and you go into the bank and depositing your commission celebrate it don't forget to slide your shoes off climb up on the table and have a dance party You have gone from being a hobby to a profession. You just made money. Don't miss the opportunity. This is a fun process. Buyers are fast money. You can get a lot of them under contract quick and get them closed and solidify your place in this industry. I love it. Please email me your first buyer's experience if you've already got one done or if you're in the middle of one right now. Tell me the pros and cons. Tell me the roadblocks you've hit. Let's celebrate your wins and laugh at your successes and or at your failures and learn from them. Share it. Send it to me at Kenny at RookieRealEstate.com. I would love to share it with our with our uh, everybody that's listening, the new agents across the country. I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate your encouragement, your five-star reviews, uh, the comments that you share. They just, they crack me up, some of them, and some of them are so heartfelt. I'm very appreciative. I will, I keep saying I'm gonna share them, but then some of them are personal. I'm like, I don't know if these people want me to put their uh, information on this, so I'll keep them broad. Let me know if I can share it, or if you want something to be private, I won't. But either way, that's it for today, my friends. I am Kenny Stevens, and I have approved this message. 
please don't forget to send us a review. Also, share this with your people, with your broker. I want more people to know this and learn this and be great. I just vomited every step of the buying process all over you. Now go clean it up and put something together with it. Special thanks to my producer, Scott Parker. Rookie Real Estate would not exist without this man. Rookie Real Estate is powered by DeSelms Real Estate in Franklin, Tennessee. Until next time, my friends, better your best. Oh,